We do talk a lot about cloacas in the TMNT2 episode. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nerdoplexy Movie Review Show mini episode. This is where we break down our breakdowns of the movie we just watched, answer your pressing questions, and let you know what to check out for next time. My name is Reed, and with me today we have Sam and Dave. All right, let's dive in. Well, welcome back. Coming in hot off the heels of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power, baby. This is um this was a great this was a great one. I loved that movie. I loved I, I loved making that episode. I loved editing that episode. It was just great. T U R T L E power. Yes. Not to be confused with the Daft Punk song. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Oh my. I didn't <laughs> even I didn't Which get is that. almost identical. Now, Dave, we didn't get to ask you this question. I don't know if we asked it last mini episode, but who's your turtle? My favorite turtle has always been Michelangelo. I love them nunchucks. Mm, it's a family thing. Yeah, solid. It's a solid choice. Just, just a great watch. I had a lot of fun listening to that. <laughs> I had a lot of fun in that episode. That was something of a. Um, uh, voiceover skills piece for me oh mm-hmm. yeah you got some mm-hmm. Werner herzog you've got <laughs> yeah <laughs> you literally did everyone's voice except for the turtles because those are just basically teenagers skater punks your splinter was really good too splinter was good oh, yes thank you that's that's a that's a favorite of mine uh when i edited in that the old coffee can bit right by where you said it so you could be people can draw their own comparisons right exactly exactly but you know i listen back through i don't i don't i don't have a a whole lot uh to go back on other than i just was really really doing the most in that one and uh, honestly i think uh when all of you out there all of our dirty nerdies are referring uh new fans to an episode i think ninja turtles is i think that episode is a great place to to point folks because it's it, it get i think it hits the all the levels of the show just right. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the best way for us to get our size into you. Our size? Oh, I don't know. You say dig, get your dig your get your hooks into someone. <laughs> they, they don't really have hooks, so I thought I could do oh, something. Oh, size, with that. size, size. Oh, and there's plenty of like <sighs> moments too. <laughs> Groans. You get size too, of all size. Yes, exactly. The feedback I did get about that episode was um, a lot of ex- a, a lot of exasperation, um, but grudging exasperation. It's, mm, it's all out of love. Okay, I, I see what you did, but it, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, very NPR. The, that that's like the same vibe. <laughs> very dad rock that episode, <laughs> which is appropriate, well, I suppose, for a Ninja Turtles episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know that uh, you did bring up the weirdness of early 90s having all those references back to like james cagney and humphrey bogart and Mm -hmm. there's a trope i can't remember what it's called but it was because back then all the writers were like 40 and 50 year old dudes who were making references to their parents favorite things so not only were the references old for us they were old for them so it's like there was like three levels of separation between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and James Cagney impersonations. So it's it's wonderful. 
It's why teeny. It's why the Tiny Tunes re- makes references older yeah. than Looney Tunes. It's insane. It's. I love every second of it though because it made me look into all that stuff once the internet was new. Well, it, it, this some of those things that you have known your whole life. You you get the you've gotten the bit, but you've never seen the source material or the original mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. thing. You look like, oh shit, that's where that's from. Well, I, I saw like a thousand Citizen Kane references before I ever saw the movie Citizen Kane. Oh, that you know, I was just talking about this with someone. Maybe it was a couple of days ago, I was talking to my buddy about the Matrix, and he had never seen it, and he just saw it, and he's now realizing that everything for like the decade after the Matrix came out was referencing the Matrix. Mm-hmm. The, your bullet time and your you know whatever that like slow mo and then kung fu and stopping bullets in midair and all of those like crazy wire moves, which were obviously borrowed from a lot of older like kung fu movies but made incredibly popular by The Matrix, in America at least. Yeah, Dave, it's interesting you bring up Citizen Kane because that movie has um, something that I've kind of referred to as like the Beatles effect, mm-hmm. where when someone listens to the Beatles for the first time or um, sometimes, you, you know, you watch Citizen Kane for the first time, you're like, well, I mean, okay, that that yeah, that was a movie. But what you're missing, like in Citizen Kane and with the Beatles, is that like no one had ever done that before in citizen kane a lot of those shots the way they were filmed that he he was using mats and zooms in ways that no one had ever done before so when you see it now you're like well this looks like a movie but it Mm -hmm. is the proto movie yeah every movie i've ever seen has done all these cool tricks now but that's because they were they were able to see them in that movie right so exactly it has a very special place in the pantheon of uh cinematography it's it's why i never really liked the beatles I liked all these bands that were inspired by them, and then the Beatles, I listened to them later, I'm like, oh, they just sort of sound like a generic pop band to me. Right. I, I get it. Genre-creating pop I, band. Exactly, yeah, they were creating the idea of pop music, and um, it, I understand the talent, it's just not there for me anymore, now it just sounds like everything. Well, that's a weird exposure thing, certainly, where you're starting. That's certainly a generational thing, is where, what are, what's the next generation's touch point moments? I mean, because in the 70s and early 80s, like Star Wars was the moment that blew everybody's mind. In, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it, uh, The Matrix was the first movie I ever saw that just blew my mind. I right. had never seen anything like that. And you, a lot of that stuff is hard to retrospectively look back on. Yeah, like Matrix. How many movies have done slow-mo and bullet time like that? I mean, that's just like a staple now. Or um, comic-related, the slow-motion Quicksilver scene, it, um, the first one of those, you know, mm-hmm. uh, now everybody does that, and uh, you know you got Flash, you got Quicksilver, you've got movies that don't even have anything to do with that at all, doing all the same kind of baloney, the dilutions thereafter. And that's see, this is exactly my problem with Shrek. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was, I was trying. That's what I was argument. getting at too. So Shrek does a lot of that Matrix stuff, and a lot of those, th- like their whole thing is finding those things th- that make movies so referential and referencing them unapologetically speaking of referencing we've been referenced on the internet what let's check the listener mail dave what's been happening over on the twitter i i've been sending out tweets every day or most every day anyway and i've been getting a lot of interaction between at dijon stevens i know he's fallen on a lot following (laughs) jesus following around a lot and i i really dig it and um it's dayin it's dayin Dayan. Oh, Dayan Stevens. Sorry. I made you into mustard. It's not on purpose. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's not the first time. <laughs> but I know he, he really liked the um, the Dick Tracy episode because when I brought up 30 seconds, no more Dick, 30 seconds, no more Dick, and the fact that that movie is two goddamn hours long, uh, he said, he started quoting Sam. He said, I had I had the bed sheets, so I know some about Dick Tracy, and I lost my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to pull out a... A pretty that's a deep cut quote from the episode. I really I really like that. And uh, yeah, it's a great that's a great grab. Sam Blink, grab tracing, you miss it. tracing the streets, dick in the sheets, and I, what a what a great episode. That that is probably uh where I would introduce people to go into it the first episode. Uh that is true. We do get we do get a little bit wild in that one. Just riding high. So good <laughs> on that Dick Tracy. <laughs> All right, well thank you at Day and Stevens. You guys can check us out on Twitter at NerdaplexyPod or uh, shoot us an email at nerdaplexy at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I just wanted to mention how uh, some of these are recorded semi out of sequence. So we made mention to your love of Muppet Family Christmas <laughs> yes. uh, the week uh. before you ever referenced it in the pod. So just in, ca- just in case you were paying attention, a keen ear would have got a, a preview of what was to come. Just retconning right. it now. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did get a little confused because we talked about it. Uh, if I was the Hulk, you know, that's that's my movie. Because um, that was such a nostalgic episode. You know, the, some of these early ones we're going through are our watches or movies that I watched a ton at the time. So this is a real fun uh, trip down memory lane for me. I know Dave's thing. I absolutely loved um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I I grew up on it. I had all the toys and then a sewer backup happened and destroyed my um my Krang. I was really upset and I lost I lost a lot in that sewer backup. <laughs> Not the Krang. I lost a lot. <laughs> Ironic that. <laughs> the the sewers reclaimed the turtles. I was so I was so mad. <laughs> R.I.P. Krang. Was it the little guy in the little walker? Yep. Mm. Yes it was. But I mean the turtles has everything. It has kung fu it has great puppetry it has mm-hmm. teenagers getting destroyed mm-hmm. uh, everything that dave wants in a movie <laughs> that is <laughs> well you know what since you like it so much we should have you back for uh the sequel i'm in <laughs> have you back like you're not in every episode <laughs> <laughs> we should let you let you in on the whole flick it's a date it's a dave date <laughs> dave's date i dig it <laughs> all right well let's take a quick break here and uh, check in with our sponsees. Army of the Dead. What a bad movie. I, I feel like I had to take this hit, though, because Reed took the Zack Snyder four-hour hit of Justice League, so I figured I would take the three-hour zombie kung fu, but kind of smart enough to make bulletproof armor heist movie that takes place in Fallout New Vegas. <gasps> that was a lot in one breath. Something people don't tell you about Zack Snyder movies is you don't have to watch them. You don't have to. You, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, they, they keep putting them up, but you don't. It's you need not pay any attention to them. They're just kind of, you know. I'm sorry to just think sit that Zack Snyder doesn't have our best interest in heart. No, I don't think so. Um, well, you know, arguably, though, what we, we kind of gave, or at least Reed kind of gave it medium marks for improving on a bad movie, right? For at least completing his own vision, I can give props for that. Yeah, it was cool. It wasn't a great. It wasn't a great movie, but that's just because it was in the wrong format. But yeah, I mean, it was it's fine. It would take me three or four days to watch a three-hour movie. So 
because uh, <laughs> I cannot sit down for that long. Yeah. It took me two days to watch two and a half hours of this movie. And, and uh, the, the only really, like, solid points is they had really good effects. Like, the there's a really cool-looking Siegfried and Roy tiger with, like, half his face is ripped off. And it was, like, a weird zombie tiger. It didn't make sense as far as, like, any other uh-huh. zombie movie has ever been. But it was cool-looking. In the way of advancing zombie movies, there always has to be one big thing where you're like, I've never seen that in a zombie movie before. Was there anything like that in this? Well, I, should we not? We probably don't want to tell people what that is, I guess. Well, they have zombie animals. They have zombie animals, zombie that, animals. that listen to the other okay. zombies, and it's really strange. Wow. See, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that spoiler. Zombie animals, if that doesn't make you want to watch it, even though you didn't like it, I don't know what will. Hopefully it doesn't make you want to watch it. Don't, don't do it. Mm, but it might. It might. Uh, I don't. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but like, they they could cut off the zombies' heads and the zombies still live for a while. It it was really weird. It it took everything that was fun about zombies and made it bad, and I was very sad for two and a half hours. Well, that is that that is tough. Now this is this just a straight up and down Zack Snyder thing. This isn't based on anything, is it? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think this is just a, a just a regular old brainchild of yeah. his. Um, so what, it's it's a heist movie in like Vegas, but but also zombies. So that's the kind of like kind of like trailer knowledge. There is an army moving uh, an army consult or what, what's that called convoy, and they don't know what they're transporting. Okay. And it turns out they're transporting one ultra zombie that gets out because mm, they aren't paying attention. Yes. An ultra zombie, and it gets out okay. right next to the Vegas skyline. And now they have to wall off Vegas, and it's nothing but zombies in there. So that's, okay. that's the, uh, the and, general idea. And $200 million of some Asian guy's money. And hookers and Jack Black. Jack Black? Black Jack. Hookers, hookers and Black, and Black Jack. Jack. No, um, no hookers, no, Jack no Black, Black He's Jack. not in this one. <laughs> and no Jack Black. What a disappointing that's movie. That's a shame. I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch hookers, hookers and Jack Black in a movie. Black Jack and Jack Black. Ooh, there you go. Give him a call. I mean, let's reach out to him on Twitter, see what he says. Son of a bitch, I'm in. Uh, the, w- of course it had a montage of son of a bitch, I'm in, of just the worst heist montage. It, I don't want to give too much away, but it, I didn't know it was going to be a heist. I only knew that Tig Notaro replaced somebody in the movie, and I'm a fan of uh-huh. Tig, so I watched it. And she's great in uh-huh. it, and, and the movie is just trash other than, other than that, so it's... Really, really a letdown. Okay. Well, uh, speaking speaking of heist movies that we watched recently, I watched uh, not altogether a heist movie, but not not a heist movie. Uh, Wrath of Man, which is a Guy Ritchie um, vehicle for uh, Jason Statham again. <laughs> which you think you know maybe he'd be done with Jason Statham by now, but no, he's got more stories the to tell works. about this. This this they both got they both could use a man. They both could use a hit, so maybe I mean it might be a good place to start. Yeah. So uh, okay. So for the for the trailer, for those of you who don't know about it, it's well, it's available for for rental right now for twenty beans, just about everywhere. Oof. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> there's other ways. <laughs> it opens up with an armored truck robbery gone wrong. Uh, and then Jason Statham takes a job with the armored truck company under mysterious circumstances, and he wows his new coworkers with his mad robbery thwarting skills. Uh, so, uh, without giving away too much, I will say okay. it is—it's a friggin'—it's a banger of an action flick, and the score is by Chris Benstead, and it's—it's it's 
really great score. It it keeps like escalating its intensity as the tension escalates in the For movie. For those of us that don't know, mm-hmm. who is that? Not me though. Yeah. Oh, he's. I mean, he's a composer. What what not? He got an. He has an Academy Award for mixing the Gravity soundtrack. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. So and yeah. So there you go. He's an Academy Award winning composer, music creator. I guess composer is just a music creator. It's like the literal word for that. Anyway, in my research though, real quick, <laughs> I'm seeing right now. Did you guys know that Guy Ritchie directed the 2019 Aladdin? What? Yeah. See, that's why I was saying he needs a hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it wants to sit on like a like a sixty on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not terrible, uh, but I did avoid it because it looked crazy bad. I wa- I watched it because it looked crazy bad. Oh well, I'm seeing that the top negative review says that Aladdin in Guy Ritchie's hands is more like the Mummy than Frozen, and that's sounds like a positive review. Yeah, that sounds really cool, but it wasn't though. It was just it was just insane. Unless they mean the Tom Cruise Mummy and not the Brendan Fraser Mummy. That's really good. <laughs> but that's an important distinction. That's I always assume important... Brendan Fraser the mummy. Well, that is when you... That's 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 the mummy to speak of. Yes. I can't believe they tried to reboot that. Are you kidding me? Like we... just, you just make another one with yeah. Brendan Fraser. That's like we have the mummy at home, and it turns out the mummy at home is Tom Cruise. I mean, at least, he, just give him a cameo at least. He looks great. He He had a rough... He has a rough story, which I'm not going to talk about you can look it up if you want to know yeah it's, it's a real downer yeah. yeah that's that's all out there it's real bad it's real bad <laughs> and probably not even good for this <laughs> this podcast to even have brought up but i will say brennan fraser he's having a resurgence he's in uh what doom patrol yeah well, he owned that dc network didn't he that hbo max bought i know he, he i had don't like know a, I... a pretty big stake in it point is he's he's coming back so now is the right time to get to get your hands back on that mummy. Yeah, re. I mean, do I, I'm all fine with the reboot because you know Brendan. He he's not he's not the same. He he can't be. I don't think he he'd be work as a lead. But I think he would work great as like like a third or fourth lead, like an extended kind of cameo. Harrison Ford is still alive. You're not going to make Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford, right? I think he owns I, the I, mummy they in that same Indiana Jones way. without him right now with Phoebe Waller Bridgers. <sighs> They're making oh, one with him. In, is he going to be in it? They're no, making one with it. him right he's now. He's in it. Yeah. He's in it. I think he's going to be, like, in it. Just like just like Star Wars, it's like, I'll do it as long as you kill me right away so nobody asks me again if I'm going to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> Please just, just write me out of the damn Please thing. just kill me. Please do you know he, he, he wanted to die at the end of um, Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Really? And they were like, no, we can't. Like he's like he wanted to, like I, there is no point in these movies that he did not want the character to die. He was always he wanted just to like, die in just, real life at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've been I've been acting to I've been acting to little people dressed in costumes look like bears. Uh, what is this? I just want to get high and crash my plane. <laughs> Mary, nineties sweetheart, Callista Flockhart. What? How do I not know these <laughs> things? We're still doing this. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, yeah. That's like right when he got his earring. He got an earring, and then he married Calista Flockhart, and then they just both disappeared from the world for like ten years. Good for them. That's what Warren Beatty wanted to do with Madonna. Just could never, could never quite get that to happen. Why can't I dream of Harrison Ford? True. What? Well, see, this is all tied to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I didn't even realize. Anyway, uh, ooh, other cool thing of the week. Unless you had something to read, you wanted to. 
I did. Okay, so here's here. I, I wanted to give myself a little project. I'm going to split my cool thing into two, a, a two week segment, and the reason is because it was a real idea and not because I didn't have time to do the whole thing. But I read the first four volumes <laughs> of Jupiter's Legacy. Mm, and then you're going to watch Jupiter's Legacy. And then so in the next mini, I will review the show Jupiter's Legacy, the Netflix uh, series, because I saw it pop up a couple times. And there's a guy in full face makeup who looks like uh, one of the, the the blue guys from Invincible. And there is mm. a guy with a crazy long white wig. And I thought, I got to know what this fucking guy's whole biz is about. So I, I found it. It's a Mark Miller uh, joint, as it were. Um, and we keep doing that. <laughs> you know, she's got to have it. <laughs> Get out That's of here. One. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. But okay, so Jupiter's Legacy, uh, a bunch of, it, it starts in like the 30s and shit. Uh, a bunch of guys uh, go to this island and they come back with superpowers. That's the general conceit. And then you follow them throughout their whole lifetimes in the world as it changes. It's kind of like the the, the Marvel, uh, I don't know if it's a series, one shot, whatever, of, called Marvel's. Uh, where it's like an on the ground kind of following. It's just the daily lives, and it's I, the first two volumes are, are pretty good, but it's kind of boilerplate. It's just like, wow, these heroes are—they're superheroes, but they're also real people. They are sure getting into some trouble, aren't mm. they? Like, uh oh, that big tough guy. Oh, it's the '30s, and uh, he's gay, and it's a whole big thing. It—I it, uh, don't know. It, there's like a lot of it's like oh this guy's cheating he's a cheater he's super fast and he's living two lives it, it, it's kind of boring the first couple the ver- first volume is a little bit like stale i don't know and then it picks up speed as you go two three four uh are great um and by the end it's really firing on all cylinders and like i to me personally i think it kind of fizzles out because what what the, the 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 general kind of thing is is you just follow these people as they get as they're like golden age superheroes, then silver age, then like moving on. So you basically move through all that kind of like the trope of a superhero universe. And it's each volume is um, a couple of decades. So it, it, it moves pretty quick. Um, it's, it's a good story. And I'm very interested to see what they do with the show, uh, because this is the, one of the rare times where I think this story works better as a show than it will that it has as a comic so it's it i i normally would think that the comic will is always almost always better because you can get into more detail and get like you know deeper in it's like a novel better than a movie but i think this story is going to work better as a show and next mini episode we'll find out i can't wait to hear i'd argue teenage mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles is better as a movie than it was as a comic these comics were just a little too gritty for who they were aimed at i think well, a, a little disjointed too. I've tried. I've read a couple of the omnibuses of Ninja Turtles, and it's it's strange. It's just it's just, it's weird as hell. There's lots of aliens, and yeah, Ninja Turtle canon is nuts. <laughs> yeah, there's some wild stuff going on there, guys. If you haven't if you haven't checked it out, uh, get, use your library app and just pick up the first omnibus because within within pages, the Ninja Turtles are interacting and like fighting aliens. It's wild. I love how often we bring up the library. This is such a cool, cool show. I really dig it. 
Well, yeah. I, I really like I really like Ninja Turtles, um, but I'm I don't want I don't want I don't need to pay for a black and white drawing of like for, weirdo about, drawings from the '90s. Forget about pay, okay? Because I would pay if I knew that like I hate having stuff. I have so much stuff in my mm-hmm. house. I have so many comics in my house that I've read one time and then they go on a bookshelf and never to be touched again. At yep. least the library, I get to feel good about. A, supporting the library, B, consuming stuff that I wanted to consume, and C, never having to see it again. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid point because there there are I, – I, I do as well in a lot of comic books. I've got a lot of you know trade, paperback kind of things like that, and I love them, and I, I ate them up, and I would head back to the store and buy another one. But, yeah, like you said, most of those, there's maybe one – maybe like Sandman – is the only comic that I re- regularly will go and like flip through that and some um some of the early Hellblazers I have. Um, yeah, there are and, some and, exceptions for me as well, but there's you know I have that that gene that makes me want to collect things, but it's it's like yeah. a slip. It's a very slippery slope once you start direct uh, collecting all of the comics you like. Yeah, they take up a lot more space than you'd think. Yeah, so I have some prized possessions in that regard, some some black science and stuff like that. I really like the art and uh, ah. Ascender, like the watercolor stuff I really like. Uh, so I will flip through that just to say, oh, that's a really cool-ass picture. Um, it's like me and Underwater so, yeah, Welder. There's, there's definitely something to be said for, for owning comics. I'm not trying to discourage anyone, but at the same time, you can't own them all. So if you wanted to read some that you don't want to own... The library is definitely the way to go. Also, for all of these movies we've done so far, if you don't own them, don't you're not particularly fond of piracy, I don't blame you there, but it exists at the library. For sure Every it does. one of these DVDs do. There is an interesting thing that has shown up on the internet in the last two days. Do you want me to talk about it, Dave, or do you want to talk about it? Welcome to Sam's Fan Edit Corner. <laughs> yeah, so um, it, it is in a way a fan edit, uh, but... Here's a, a slight preview for what's to come on Nerdoplexy and, and something that, that showed up at my door just yesterday that Dave sent me, which I w- was really interested in checking out. There's a new extended cut of Super Mario Brothers movie, never before seen. Uh, there are okay. these, these folks, and you can find them on Twitter. It's, they're hilariously, uh, intensely devoted to this. Um, and they're <laughs> Super Mario Brothers archive. And no one knows why they've so tirelessly worked to get this cut out, but they have. Uh, and uh, they released yesterday, or as of time of pod, 6-1, they released this extended cut that from some VHS tapes that they found in like, like really rare uh, reproductions of the movie that have cigarette burns on the reels and stuff, so they knew where to change reels and stuff. So they've they teamed up with this guy. This is where the fan edit part comes in. Uh, Garrett Gilchrist, who did a lot of the the heavy restoration of those scenes, and he's best known for finishing the Thief and the Cobbler. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, that was a yeah. great cartoon. So there's the the cob the the re the edition or whatever, and that's this guy basically just a fan editor gets all of this stuff, uses all of his digital know how, and finishes the movie that uh, Richard Williams originally conceived of in the '60s, and got it got released like in an unfinished form in the '90s under like a million different names, like Arabian Nights and stuff, and it was just a piece of crap. And he took the like the original idea and the original storyboards and created like some fan like a, a fantastic kids movie actually. If you can you can find it online. Uh, it's an easy search. Just look for the thief and the cobbler recobbled. 
Uh, but that so that guy is exists in my mind and like on like the Mount Rushmore of fan editors because he made a movie that never finished into a finished movie, and I think that's really neat for uh, for like film preservation and stuff like that. So yeah, so but he's the guy they worked with on getting these Super Mario Brothers scenes not perfectly up to snuff, but there it's not jarring whenever the the new scenes re-enter the movie. So. We could talk about that more in a few months whenever we get to Super Mario Brothers. All right. Uh, well, I am looking forward to that. Uh, and I would like to add anything to that movie, and I'm, I'm sure it would make all of it make a lot more sense. Yeah, no question. It, it can't make it worse because it's a really – I mean, again, that's why I said I have no idea why they've spent so much time on this. But it's because for the same reason I love a fan edit, making bad movie into good movie is is like – infinitely intriguing to me and so many are, are able to do it as long as they have enough to to draw from enough deleted scenes where i could say oh this one makes more sense than this one we can put this one in show not tell in this many and various ways uh so now that we have all of the scenes of super mario brothers somebody can probably put together a sleek 45 minute movie that might actually make sense All right. Well, I am absolutely looking forward to that. Well, that is certainly something to check out. Uh, What we'll be checking out next time is Darkman. Speaking of fucking good movies, I don't know if we were, but this one, spoiler, it's so wild. You absolutely. I love Darkman so much. Check this shit out. Check it out for sure. Check out the trailer. And there's, if you watch the trailer, uh, there's no way that you will not watch this movie. I believe that to be true. If you're listening to this podcast and you watch that trailer, you're, you, you will. If you're listening to this podcast, just watch this dang movie. This ding dang movie, uh, and we're going to talk about it. You have time to get it out the library right now before yeah. it drops next week. There's plenty of time. It's it's probably on the shelf. But if not, if you like to be surprised, that's fine too. Um, but what you should absolutely do is head to your podcast catcher, head to iTunes, give us a rate, a review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell them to watch Ninja Turtles, or, you know, a lot of people just like mini-episodes. I mean, have them check those out. Uh, but send uh, send us your love. You can reach out to us at Pod on Twitter and at nerdaplexy at gmail.com. Um, and special thanks to our sponsors who are uh, supporting us at a monthly level. Uh, you can join the ranks of the elite dirty nerdies. <laughs> Go to nerdaplexy.com and subscribe and sponsor us at the monthly level. Dave, where can our friends reach out and chat with you on Twitter? If you want to find me, you can go to at the face of Dave, and you could please hit me with that hashtag, release the butthole cut. <laughs> that's, that's not this episode. That's I know. A, <laughs> and they've actually, and actually, actually, there is a great butthole cut trailer on YouTube. Somebody did digitally add buttholes to the cats and cats, so... God bless them. God bless America. Uh, Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Sam, where can where can fan editors reach out and contact you? Uh, you can reach me on fanedit.org at no, uh, really I do have an account there. But um, you can reach me at on Twitter at PGH underscore SVH. I am 
uh, at PGH underscore Reed. Thank you so much for listening. We'll check you out next time for Dark Man. But before we do, let's leave you with this little thought to ponder. How did Splinter teach them how to be teens? I get that he taught them how to be ninjas. You just kind of, you just kind of know how to be teen, Dave. Just, it just comes with the yeah, territory. Yeah, that's that's the whole secret. That's the whole secret, Dave. You got to find out for yourself. That's the, hey, you know what? You talk about the secret of the ooze, secret of the <laughs> sock that stands up by itself. For the teen boy, there's a lot of ooze involved in that. Actually, oh shit.